0: we're going to begin this afternoon in lamentations chapter 3 lamentations chapter 3 we're going to notice verses 21 through 26 lamentations 3:21 through 26 the writer states this i recall to my mind therefore have i hope it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. It is good that a man should, be, should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord." The book of Lamentations is a series of songs of mourning. Those songs are called dirges. And they are written against the backdrop of Babylonian invasion and the destruction of Jerusalem. Within the verses of the book, we are able to witness the suffering of Israel at the hands of her enemies. Now... Even within the midst of the pain that we witness uh, Israel suffering, we notice that God's faithful prophet is standing strong within all of those things that he is both seeing and enduring. And we notice that he is recording the events during this period of time in Israel's history. It's a terrible time in Israel's history Yet he is still bringing honor and glory to God's name. He doesn't stop. He doesn't back down. He continues to do the things that God has asked him to do. And what we notice, perhaps more than anything else, is very little good is happening to God's prophet. Things aren't going his way. He's not having very many successes if he has any success. Now, the writer of Lamentations is likely the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, and he's known as the weeping prophet for good reason. And when we study the life of Jeremiah, what we discover is his life is a is a portrait of unending sadness and often deep depression. He's just not a very happy individual. Not a whole lot of things going on in his life produce times when he can be very happy. When we engage in this study, we need to keep in mind the sadness and the depression of this prophet. Because there was a good reason for him to continue to carry out the mission set before him. Even when it seemed to fail at every turn. Every time he tried to accomplish the mission set before him, Things simply did not go his way. I want us to notice some of the events in his life of ministry. God called an unwilling prophet to his service. Notice Jeremiah 1 beginning with verse 6. Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. When he did begin to prophesy and to preach the commandments of God, his only message was one of judgment, Jeremiah 1, beginning with verse 9. He didn't have a happy message. He had a message of condemnation only continually. He was forbidden to marry so he could dedicate himself wholly To the work of God and as a result he was completely familiar with the loneliness of his work. He was a man of deep sadness and he wept openly. And he wept about the sins of his people, Jeremiah 9 verse 1. He endured the great burden of depression as the result of his message went unheeded time and time again. He was so burdened with his message that he often tried to stop being God's spokesman. Of course, that's un- understandable. He had a ministry of about 50 years and, and we do not see at any point, and we're not told at any time that one single Israelite heeded the message that he brought. Or that one single Israelite repented of one sin the whole time that he brought that message. He suffered imprisonment of King Zedekiah because the king simply did not like listening to the message that he brought, Jeremiah 32, verse 5. After Jerusalem fell to Babylon, he didn't bask in the glory of being right. He didn't say, I told you so. He simply suffered with the rest of Israel. After enduring terrible suffering, After being rejected, hated, mocked, imprisoned, ignored, he simply continued to take the message to God's people. After seeing his beloved Jerusalem ransacked, desecrated, and destroyed, after experiencing the horror of war, the brutality of his enemy, and the pangs of hunger, Jeremiah was still able to stand up Among the rebel, the rubble of the city. Among the dead of the people. And lift up his voice in praise to God. Why was he able to do that? He was able to do that because God is faithful too. And Jeremiah understood that. Jeremiah knew who God was. Despite his problems and his troubles... Jeremiah had gotten a good grasp of exactly who God is. He knew whether things went well, which they very rarely did, or whether things went terribly wrong, God would still be God. God would always do that which was right, and that God is eternally faithful to His people. Jeremiah was able to find hope in a hopeless situation. Because he believed in the faithfulness of his great God. And we serve that same God. We serve the exact same God Jeremiah served then that we serve now. God is faithful too. That's the title of the sermon this afternoon. God is faithful too. And like Jeremiah, we all go through times in this life that seems terrible and unfair. We all do that. But we can look back on Jeremiah and I doubt very seriously that any of us have gone through times like Jeremiah endured. When those times do come, we have the blessed assurance that God is faithful. God's going to do that which is right. God will take care of His people. The word faithfulness in our passage means firmness, Fidelity, steadiness, steadfastness, and it is a picture of God, one upon whom we can depend. We can trust in God. We can believe in Him. We hear a lot about our faithfulness to God, and rightly so. It's demanded, it's expected, and we better be faithful to God. But we need to be reminded from time to time about God's faithfulness to those who are faithful to Him. If we obey His commandments, He will never leave us nor forsake us. God will always do what He says He will do. We can count on it, right? He will walk with each of us through the storms and the tragedies of life. He will be in the valley with us and He'll stand on the mountaintops. He will and has proven Himself to be faithful to those who stand by His side. In other words, we can count on God. Because He is true to us. And His faithfulness is foundational in the lives of those who look to Him and stand by His side as we work hard to live for Him. And Jeremiah understood that. He knew that and it was on that which he counted. It was that very premise that allowed him to look for hope in a hopeless situation. I want us to look into into the life Of a great prophet who served the great God of heaven. I want us to leave this afternoon understanding why he served the God of heaven and why we should remain faithful in the service to him as well. Jeremiah served God because he is faithful, first of all, in his grace. And that's what he talked about. God's grace is what, first of all, saves us, it's his grace. Verse 22 speaks of God's mercies. In the Hebrew word translated mercies is translated loving kindness over 30 times in the Old Testament. Loving kindness. I think it conveys to us all the ideas of loving, grace, mercy, faithfulness, goodness, and devotion. Isn't that what grace is? Grace is something that God lovingly extends to us. We see it in His kindness. We see it in His mercy. <clears throat> and we see it in the idea of His devotion to us because He wants to save us. We see that in the idea of grace. It describes God as a lover of humanity. And we find its equivalent in the New Testament in love and grace. That's why God wants to save us. And we see it in His savingness. In his idea of a Savior. Jeremiah remembered what God's grace did for the people of Israel. It brought them out of Egypt. It brought them out of the idea of slavery. It took them out of a place that where death reigned. And it took them into a wilderness where he guided and looked over them. It kept them a people of God in spite of their shortcomings. It kept them as a people of God in spite of their... Uh, uh, not being worthy of being God's people. And he watched over them. I think there's something amazing about God's grace. No one deserves it. Yet he still extends it anyway. There's something else just as important about grace. It's conditional. We see it in uh, the fact that Israel was offered grace in the wilderness, but it was conditional. Not everyone uh, was able to enter into the promised land, right? All those who first went into the wilderness to go to the promised land, they didn't make it, right? It was that next generation that was able to enter in except for Joshua and Caleb. And in fact, those that uh, fell in the wilderness as they were headed to the Promised Land before they even had an opportunity to go in the first time. Many of them fell within that first two-year period. When they rose up against Moses, they fell. We read about those who fell in Exodus 17 when they began to worship the golden calf, or excuse me, Exodus 31 and 32. They began to worship the golden calf. And they were uh, uh, condemned for that. See, it is conditional. You have to obey God's laws and His commandments and His plan of salvation under whatever dispensation a person happened to be living at that time. Grace was offered in the time of the patriarchs because Noah found grace in the eyes of God, but he had to do certain things. We get over to Hebrews chapter 11, and, and Noah by faith did something, he built an ark. Abraham did something by faith. He left the Ur, uh, left Ur of the Chaldees. By faith he did that. Moses, by faith, left uh, Pharaoh's palace. And then we get over into the time when God gave the law to Moses. And uh, we read about all those folks who lived under that law. And we get down to all those judges. And by faith they did certain things. You see, and then by faith today, the Christian lives under the law of Christ. By faith, we obey the gospel plan of salvation. Only God's grace could have reached any of us in our lost and sinful conditions. That's right. Contrary to what the denominations of the world teach, we can easily remove ourselves from God's grace if that's what we uh, choose to do because it is conditional. We can leave that grace. Paul explained uh, to the Christians in Ephesus. He said, "...and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses in sin, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past." in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 1. Now what he's talking about by nature, we were the children of wrath, or they were. It was by nature because it became a habit. It became a habit and they did it as if it was natural to them. They weren't born that way. That's what the denominations of the world try to teach. It became a natural habit to them. Because they practiced it. Right? That's the idea. Even as others, but God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. See, because it was a habit, they could break it. If you're born... Uh, and you have blue eyes, you can't change that. If you naturally have blue eyes, you can't change that, right? We understand that. But if you have a habit, you can break it. That's what he's talking about here. There's no doubt the grace of God saves us, but it can't be by God's grace alone. We understand that. We are saved by grace through faith. And then we go back to Hebrews 11. That's an obedient faith, a working faith, right? So we understand that we have God's grace and His faith through obedience. And that's what Jeremiah was talking about. Obedience to God's commandments must be included in our lives if we are to access that grace. Jesus warned, Matthew 7 beginning with verse 21, "...not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven." So we have this grace combined with faith and obedience. And it saves us and because of that it can secure us, right? We're prone to failures from time to time. And so God understood that. And so He gave us a system of faith that can secure us. And He presented it to us in such a way where we can maintain our salvation. But it takes work and it takes obedience. When we look at the denominational world, they, they want to act like that we are secured with no conditions attached. What that does is take faith away. They, they try to teach us a faith only, but what they do is, is they take faith away from it, right? They want us to believe there's nothing we can do. Scriptural faith is a faith of action. But they want to take it away. They want to take it away. There's not one example in the Bible of anyone gaining God's unmerited favor outside of faithful obedience to Him. We are secured by that same faithful obedience when we sin, but then sincerely repent of those sins. And we do something about it. If we don't do something about it, we're not saved, right? That just makes sense. God's faithfulness in His grace saves us. He is faithful, so why would we think that we're not faithful or we do not have to be faithful? He's faithful in what He said and we have to be faithful as well. We're able to be faithful to Him in the same way Jeremiah was faithful to Him. Jeremiah never stopped working. He never stopped doing what he said he was willing to do and neither does God. Jeremiah spoke of God's mercies And then he spoke of his compassion, right? Compassion literally means the womb. That's what he was talking about. It means to be moved in the heart out of love for another. It demonstrates God's actions in the lives of his people. And when that happens, when he demonstrates his love, we are able to traverse the landscape of heartbreak and sin in this life. We're able to move through it. We're able to uh, do the things necessary because of what God has done for us. When we understand what God has done for us and we look at our own lives and and we understand that and we accept that, we say, okay, now I can move through this life because of what God has done for me. He has offered His grace and His mercy and I recognize that. And now I can move through this life because I can't go it alone. And I recognize that. And because of what He's done for me, I can traverse through this life. I can go over the, go through the valleys and get over the rough mountains. And I recognize what He's done. God is faithful in His grace and His compassion makes Him faithful in His gifts. What He has given is a gift, right? He doesn't have to give it. We have been the gift. We have been given the gift of His presence. He's not going to live us, leave us. We can't see Him, but He's with us. Hebrews thirteen verse five. He's not going to go anywhere. He's promised to stay with us. Right? Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty. And lo, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. Now, there's going to be times where we might think He's not with us. Time, There's going to be difficulties in life. We might even think we're alone, but He is not away. He is with us in our sadness, in our misery, right? We're going to be sad. We're going to feel miserable at times. But He has never left anyone behind who didn't want to stay behind, right? We see that in the parable of the prodigal son, Luke 15. When He came to Himself, He went home and the Father welcomed Him. We have been given the gift of His presence, and we've been given the gift of His performance. In his letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul said this, Ephesians 3, beginning with verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that He might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all ages, world without end. Amen. God is greater than any problem we have or will ever face. He is the answer. And He's able to go above and beyond anything we are able to do. He's going to be there. He can perform. And He offers aid and He offers strength. And all we have to do is to accept it and do His will. God will take care of us. Now we may not receive blessings in this life, but the faithful will receive blessings in the next life. Jeremiah said the gifts of God remain fresh. He said they're new every morning. Great is His faithfulness to us. Isn't that a comforting phrase? Isn't that great knowledge to understand that God is going to be there? God is faithful to us. He is faithful in His grace. He is faithful in His gifts. And He is faithful in His goodness. That's something that that we ought to appreciate. Jeremiah said God was good. And the word good carries with it the idea of pleasant, agreeable, and excellent It is a reference to his character and reminds us that he is engaged in what is best in the lives of his people. He wants what's best for us. He wants to give us what is best for us. He's like a loving parent who wants to do what's best for his child and his children, right? In other words, God satisfies the soul. Jeremiah described him as, My portion saith he. The word portion means part or inheritance. When we look through the Old Testament and we read about those who might inherit something, they receive a portion. Or the oldest or the eldest might receive the double portion, right? And so that's what Jeremiah is saying here. And when God is viewed in that light, He will be all any person will need to be satisfied. He will be our portion, right? so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. That's all we need, isn't it? He gives us our portion. Now, God may not provide all we want in this world or this life, but He will provide all that we need, all that is necessary. If we look to Him, we'll never be dissatisfied. Notice what Paul told those of the dispersion. First Peter 1 verse 3. He said... According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. In His goodness God satisfies and He sustains. He will never fail those who put their trust in Him. Romans 10 verse 11. We have salvation. He satisfies. He sustains. And that brings salvation. If we will take it. Those who wait on the Lord will see Him take away the troubles of this life. Now that doesn't mean we're not going to have troubles in this life. But that means in the end all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. And that's what Paul told those in Rome may not happen in this life but it certainly will be a reward for those in the next if any come to him for salvation god will not turn them away now they may not accept that salvation because they do not want to obey but he will not send them away he promised those who do obey a home in heaven john 14:1 through 3 now there is a way to salvation But there is only one way to access the goodness of God. And that is through obedience. We have the initial plan of salvation. We understand what that is. Faith, repentance, confession, immersion in water, faithful living. We understand the second law of pardon. Repentance of sin, confession of that sin, whether publicly or privately. We understand uh, acknowledging that and making amends in our life and fixing that problem. We understand that. That's the way to fix that. And that's what God expects. Great is the faith that stands amid the wreckages of life and declares the praises of God. Jeremiah was that kind of a believer, wasn't he? If we want to talk about wreckage of life, all we have to do is look at Jeremiah's life. His whole life was a wreckage. Nothing worked out for Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Outside of the fact he was faithful to God And he did what God expected if we, if we were to look Or if the world were to look at Jeremiah's life They would say he was a complete failure No one answered his call to repentance No one listened to him at all They ignored his message But Jeremiah was a huge success Because he obeyed God He obeyed God and he did what God asked Jeremiah was the kind of a believer who did what God asked him to do. And we ought to ask ourselves, am I that kind of believer in God? As we face the battles, the burdens, the valleys, the storms, and the trials of life, we have to remember we are God's lambs, and He is willing to carry us safely. There's a story told of a missionary in China there were four members of the family and they accepted Christ's invitation to obey the gospel plan of salvation. The youngest of the family, a little boy, he expressed his desire to follow in the footsteps of the other family members, but his father was hesitant. The father believed the boy to be too young to understand the kind of a commitment that was necessary to be a follower of Christ, the kind of dedication needed to be a Christian. And so he he sat down and he spoke with the boy about that kind of dedication and that kind of a commitment. And the boy said this. He replied to the father saying, Jesus has promised to carry the lambs in his arms. He said, I'm only a little boy. It will be easier for Jesus to carry me. What battles are we facing today? If we bring them to God, Jesus will carry us if we are obedient and faithful to Him. We're not too heavy. He'll carry our problems. He'll carry our burdens. We just have to bring them to Him. After all, God is faithful too, and we can be faithful to Him. If you need to answer the Lord's invitation, do that as we stand and as we sing.